This week on Socratic Cinema. Oh, oh. occupational racism. Yes, occupational <laughs> racism. There we go. Thanks to Stemic, personal, <laughs> occupational. This is Socratic Cinema reporting live from Mass. From Mass. <laughs> yeah, Casey's a bisexual, I'm an agnostic, and you're a centrist. We all have you're our own. Centrist. Welcome back to another episode of Socratic Cinema. My name is Charlie Heatherly. My name is James Delisio. And I'm Casey Clark. And today we are talking about one of my favorite movies. I, I, I will say that I really love this movie, Lady Bird. Ooh, la la. A stunner of a film by Greta Gerwig. Absolutely phenomenal. I believe this is the movie that sort of acted as her breakout film. I believe it's her sophomore, uh, her sophomore production, I guess you could say. Mm. And. I think that she hit it out of the gosh darn park. This movie hits so many incredible coming of age tropes in such fresh and innovative ways. I love the characters. I love the setting, a really strange setting, but I think that it worked out incredibly well. And I'm very curious what you guys thought about it because this is my second time seeing it. So I am your your ladybird guru. Oh. But, but please, I guess we'll start with uh, Casey. What did you think about the movie? I really liked the movie. Like, I kind of got, like, all the the hype from Lady Bird, but I had never seen it before. Like, it was definitely, like, a, oh, yeah, well, Timothy Chalamet's in it and Saoirse Ronan's in it, and then it had all this, like, all the award season buzz. But I never got around to watching it. And it, it's, like, a, a really good coming-of-age story. And not in the way that you would like expect like it's really like heartfelt but it's also really really funny which i appreciate because it can't be like sad all the time and it just feels like really real uh, like real and realistic situation like i mean i've never gone to a catholic school but the experiences that we see um ladybird going through in a catholic school i'm like yes i feel like that would happen <laughs> and it, just it's your just best very, guess yeah yeah just my best guess i'm like oh yeah i can see the people at saint lucy's doing this <laughs> or something and i i thoroughly enjoyed it well uh wonderful to clarify to people saint lucy's is a all-girls catholic school near where we are it uh, is yeah wait you didn't know i uh i'm catholic and i didn't know i didn't know that yeah, you should know about all of the all-girls Catholic I mean, schools near us. No, I know of a couple <laughs> Catholic. I know of, uh, actually, no. Yeah, all right, I, 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 huh. I didn't even know we had one of those near us. We have several uh, sort of one-gender Catholic schools here in, in California. I believe we said that we live in California before. But Yeah, don't worry. We're, not, we're fine. We got Damien as well. That's all boys. Oh, uh, nice. but, I know about that one. Yeah. Oh, so, you know, just only know about the boys one, James? I see how it is. But, I know. Uh, my, I have a lot of friends that go to St. Lucy's, and they all say that this movie is, like, 100% accurate. And I can sort <laughs> of attest to a little bit of, of the religious teachings in there, because I went to a private school that wasn't really religious, but it sort of was. So I get some of the stuff that's going on here. And, yeah, Casey, you're entirely right. This is This is all pretty accurate to what actually goes on in real life but uh james what did you think of the movie um i loved little women with greg gerwig and Sir <laughs> oh, no. and Timmy oh, no. i'm not gonna tell the story <laughs> i've told the story enough um but i was a huge fan of little women 
And so I was really excited to see the Dream Team come into Lady Bird too, even though Lady Bird was released, you know, three years earlier, two years earlier. I don't know. Anyways, I really liked Little Women too. Little Women felt very, uh, like Casey was saying, it was humorous, but also emotional. And I think that's something that's very um, kind of crucial to sort of the theme of the movie. Uh, I thought the mother-daughter relationship was one of the most nuanced and well-acted relationships I've seen recently in film. And that that relationship is sort of the core of the whole movie is, is the mother-daughter. Like, there's a lot going on in this movie, but that sort of, to me, is the emotional core of it. But overall, I thought this film was very, very charming. I love the aesthetic and the cinematography and the soundtrack. Um, and as a high school senior living in California who was also Catholic... I felt very seen by this movie. <laughs> I felt utterly <laughs> represented. I just, I um, get very excited seeing like, you know, Catholicism stuff in film. And a lot of times, like, it gets a bad rap. Um, I mean, that's a pretty common trope is like, hey, we just did an episode on Devil All the Time, guys. Come on, you know, we know what I'm talking yeah. about here. Yeah. But uh, um, it was really funny. Like I found myself laughing to myself just about all, all the things I was seeing in this very Catholic religious environment and just being like, yep, that is definitely like real. That's definitely how that works. Um, and it was just so kind of refreshing to have a movie that takes place in California that wasn't just all about Los Angeles learning yeah. about like the hearing about the uc schools and like uc davis and stuff i, I was thinking uh, disneyland i was like hey i i i know this stuff this is me i felt very uh we're, we're a very good target audience for this movie I've, it felt like looking in a mirror oh i know well it would have been better if we were drama students because I'm this glad I'm movie not drama, gets drama kids right. Like my sister yes. is is sort of a drama kid. Like she did theater and things like that, but she never played zip zap zop. So, you know, not really a drama <laughs> kid. But like, oh my gosh, the way that they had the cast relationships, all of that drama behind the scenes where two people like the same guy, but then the guy is gay secretly. That's a big <laughs> thing. That that's yeah. legitimately a massive thing in a lot of theater productions. Uh and and all of those sort of ways that the characters bounced off of each other were, as you guys said, incredibly realistic and insanely funny. I don't know who wrote the script for this movie, if it was Greta Gerwig, but I'm on Greta it. Gerwig gets great script writers for all of her films, and I think that certainly this one is a great example of that. Uh, again, I was really happy to see the dream team of, of Timothy Shamalama Ding Dong and Saoirse Ronan <laughs> back together again. Uh, uh it was written by Greta Gerwig, and I would like to point out, uh, I, I searched Lady Bird writer and Greta Gerwig's, like, you know, Google, you know, you know how Google, like, has the actual responses at the top, not just, like, a link, you know? Mm -hmm. The Greta Gerwig card popped up, and it says, people also search for, you know, some directors, Saoirse Ronan, uh, Timothy Chalamet, Louisa May Alcott. <laughs> people also search <laughs> for Louisa May Alcott. And I just thought that was very fun. Uh, who is Louisa May Alcott? The author of Little Women and its sequel, oh. Little Men and Joe's Boys. Oh, fun. Fun, yeah. fun, fun. Yeah, very, very influential writer. Well, I'm glad to see that, that Greta Gerwig is, you know, as multi-talented as I thought she would be. My, the, the first point I want to talk about personally, because I think that this is at the, 
or, or, or not the crux of the film, but it's a major part of it, is the way that uh, romantic relationships are shown. Specifically yeah. between mm. Kyle and Lady Bird, and then I think his name is Danny? Yeah, yeah. Danny. So we've all been in relationships, or are in relationships, if you're a certain someone oh, on this oh, podcast. Oh, oh. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Uh, so we all have a bit of experience knowing how these things go down. I'm interested. What did you guys think about this? Did you think it was a realistic portrayal of teenage love? Do you think they finally got it right? Because I know a lot of 80s movies sort of romanticize it all a bit much. Is this yeah. the real portrayal that you were looking for? Uh I think that's kind of a hard generalization to make because, I mean, every relationship is so kind of unique and different. And I don't know if there's necessarily like one universal experience. I know, I mean, I would, okay. The relationship <laughs> between Lady Bird and Kyle is not a good one, guys. Yeah, yeah. That was really yeah. rough to watch. And Oh, Lord. <laughs> if anything, that one, like, maybe it's, I don't I'm not in a position to say if that is, is a realistic relationship or not. Uh it's it, it started to tiptoe into <laughs> little uh, like it started to tiptoe into Riverdale territory in my opinion. But I don't oh. know. Like Really? Yeah, maybe just a that's touch. That's like <laughs> it had a you know, it obviously had, no, that's an overstatement. That's 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 too much. R Riverdale is too, uh, you know, it's too far off. But But like more teen soap. Yeah, it felt a little sure. teen soapy. I thought the um, Danny and and Ladybird was very realistic and kind of had the sort of innocence to it. You know, before we learn that Danny, you know, is is gay, it had the sort of innocence and kind of like first timeiness that that encapsulates high school relationships to me. Um, but that's just my take. I thought both of them were very well acted, but I I really did like seeing. Lady Bird and Danny's relationship throughout the movie, and I, I, I think Danny honestly had one of like the best arcs in the movie. I'm just gonna say it, but that's my take on it. Yeah. Or, or go ahead, Casey. Oh, I was just gonna speak on the the Danny part because Danny really does have a really good arc, even though we only see like maybe like a few scenes with him. Like we see him and Lady Bird dating. I mean, scenes relating to his arc. So we have the dating, we have the getting exposed for being, uh, like, essentially getting outed, and then we have, yeah. like, the resolution of Lady Bird, like, not outing him further and be like, okay, I'm, I'm going to keep it a secret. But then it's obvious that they kind of stay friends because yeah. he, like, comes back and talks about, like, the, oh, like, the wait list, and then that's a whole nother... Um, side thing going on in the movie but like we don't really see him for a big chunk of the movie yeah i think the fact that he comes to that family dinner at the end where they do find out about the late wait list i think the fact that danny like came to the post-graduation dinner is enough to sort of go off of and say that they probably stayed friends which i which i really like to see too because i mean that was just i don't know it's nice to see that they kind of ended on more or less good terms it's just yeah. sort of a sign that like drama may seem big in high school but like stuff moves pretty quickly uh and i wanted to say on that note i thought the progression of time in this movie was really interesting um it, it spans a whole year but it does it in a way that doesn't feel super disjointed i feel like a lot of times movies um they are you know, meant to take place over a longer period of time, but you wouldn't know it unless you had like this shot 
where oh it's it's snowing now time has passed you know right. but the actual events mm-hmm. of the movie feel like you know w- a week uh but i thought ladybird did a good job of of actually showing that time is you know moving and people are changing through things like how how lady and danny bird's relationship changes you know going from just broken up cuz you cheated on me and were gay you know to becoming friends again is a process that takes time so i'm glad ladybird didn't try and squish that all into one you know like week long time span i thought they did a good job at spreading things out it's really yeah. a mark of greta gerwig's style of filmmaking and just picking which story she wants to tell i mean her two main films are lady bird and little women and in both of them they heavily deal with the passage of time Right in Lady mm-hmm. Bird, it's yeah, it, it's over a year, but I think that they do a great job with the pacing in this movie, keeping everything fresh and exciting. Because Casey very eloquently pointed out that like we don't see a lot of Danny in this film. Like he's sort of his relationship with Lady Bird is very quick and very brief, but it feels like you know him a lot. So mm-hmm. I I think that Greta Gerwig obviously has a very good understanding of how to pack a lot into a little, but this sort of manipulation of time and making it still seem coherent to the viewer is something that was integral to Little Women. I mean, that movie takes two entirely different time plot line area things, like two different times, I guess, in the story, and mixes them together. And she found this, you know, technique uh, using the warm and cool lighting to, to sort of show you which timeline we're in, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and to me, it feels like if she's going to make another film, there's probably enough evidence to show that it's going to have something to do with the passage of time or how people grow over time. Greta Gerwig is a very big picture director rather than focusing on sort of the little moments. And you see that with this film's central message between the relationship of Lady Bird and her mother. Like, mm-hmm. this is something that has been developing and rotting and re- regenerating over the course of their entire lives. And that's made very clear in lots of different ways. And the final reconciliation of it does not feel like it was just one year. It doesn't feel like it was a rough year for them, right? It was a buildup that was taking Lady Bird's entire life, and only then did it finally get resolved. So that's just something I noticed about Gerwig's style of filmmaking that I thought was really interesting. Yeah, for sure. Do you want to know what Greta Gerwig's next movie is going to be? Yes. Um the live-action Barbie movie starring Margot Robbie. She will be joined in directing the live-action Barbie movie with Marriage Story director Noah Baumbach. Oh, they're dating in real life. Yeah, yeah, they are. Really? What an insane Mm -hmm. power couple, and I trust no one better to make the Barbie movie. (laughs) Yes. I just want to say also, I think Margot Robbie is possibly the best choice to play a live-action Barbie. That's such good casting. That's such good casting. Mm -hmm. I could think of no one better. Wait, how is this real? Is it like, why did they get these two? Is it a kid's movie? Like, what? Uh, Yeah, because neither Greta Gerwig nor Noah Baumbach. Is it Batch or Back? Batch? I don't know. Baumbach, maybe? I think it's Baumbach, yeah. Oh, my, my bad. Uh, neither of them are are really kids directors, you know. So that that will be interesting, but it's Greta Gerwig and Noah Bombach, so it'll probably be good. <laughs> Barbie I... in a quarter life crisis. <laughs> her, her shelf life. Her shelf life. <laughs> wait, well, yeah. What? Wait, how do you even make a live action Barbie movie if the whole point is that she's a doll? Though they made a 
live action Dora. Yeah, but Dora's thing is not being a doll. It's being a person. Yeah, like, Barbie is very like, distinctly a doll. It's like a live action Toy Story. Yeah, it just it doesn't make sense. Guys, I'm really scared for I I know this is off topic, but I'm really scared for my jaw health. I yawned this morning and I felt something like slip. Uh, uh and, oh. and now I'm really scared every <laughs> no. it's everything's fine. I feel fine, but every time I yawn, I'm afraid it's gonna like dislocate. Uh, so my theory that oh. you're the jaw titan cannot be right. Then. <laughs> we did, we came straight off of watching the new episode of Attack on Titan season four, guys. It was pretty crazy. Oh man, it was pretty nuts. Um, can we talk about religion for a little bit, you guys? Yeah, <laughs> James's favorite topic to bring <laughs> He's up. He's like, can we talk religion? <laughs> this guys, is the guys, one guys. thing I. This is what I know. Um, no, but I just thought there was a lot of religious. Uh, imagery obviously there was a lot of religious imagery she goes to a catholic high school but they're i think they used um ladybird's relationship with religion kind of as an overarching symbol that sort of reflects the plot arc as a whole and i also just want to talk about the catholic high school setting because that's a very fun setting and it was very accurate and i think added a lot of charm um but i, I say so so essentially the arc of the film is that Ladybird sort of starts out kind of ostracized and disconnected from her family, and she disconnects herself from Jules through her, you know, kind of branching out relationship with Kyle, finding her own way, you know, coming of age, leave the nest, come back, right? Um, so I thought it was interesting that just how uh, Ladybird in the beginning of the film is sort of disconnected from her mother, uh, and then by the end they come to a sort of understanding, but it's, you know, still a little bit rocky. Um, in, in the very first montage of, of Catholic school, you remember that? Like the the fun, you know, Catholic school montage to music where we're seeing like them going to church and hearing the readings and all that. Um, we see Lady Bird and her students going up to receive communion, which is, you know, not only a, a distinctly Catholic thing, you know, just sort of making the most use of the setting. Um, but it's interesting because Unlike all the other students, uh, Lady Bird does not receive communion. She does the little, I, I'm doing it now, but you can't see. There's like a hand cross gesture that you do. You like cross your arms, and that's your way of like signaling to the priest like, hey, uh, I'm not going to receive communion, um, which is interesting well, because yeah. that's sort of mm -hmm. like almost as if Lady Bird sort of, I mean, communion literally is is like the union, you know, between the the people in the church and God, right? That's what it's about. Um, and so just as, as Lady Bird is disconnected from her family, we also sort of see here that she's disconnected herself from religion. She's not in union with it. Um, but then in the very last scene of the movie, um, as she's trying to like come to terms with her mother and reconnect, she goes to a church. She goes to a Catholic church in new york and watches the choir um before making up with her mom and i just thought it was a very interesting sort of transformation from seeing ladybird like actively reject sort of god or the faith what you know whatever um to sort of coming back to it and almost like a coming home kind of scene uh, and i just thought that ladybird's relationship with religion in the film was very interesting as sort of a symbol for her relationship with her family at large.
Uh, that's my that was my big brain connection that I really liked. I don't know. That's all. No, I think you're entirely right. The interesting thing about it is I don't think her family is necessarily Catholic. No, like, they're not, which is interesting. The, yeah. So it, it represents a huge personal journey. Right. Or, or at least that's what I would think about it. So then we would ha probably have to go back to a time where she was, you know, happy with religion and sort of vibing with it. And presumably she would be vibing with her mother then. But it's interesting to to bring up that at the start of the movie, we're sort of brought into her having a bad relationship with her mother. And then right. additionally, it's also a bad relationship with religion. So, yeah, no, I think you're yeah, entirely that, right. It's, yeah, for sure. It was, yeah, it, it was just a personal metaphor. Indeed, indeed. Um, yeah, for I me, know. I think the, it, the school, like the whole her being very like anti-religion. And Charlie makes a good point that like the family isn't explicitly Catholic. And the, I, I'm remembering a specific conversation with the, the mom where I guess the older brother, Miguel, had gone to a public school and saw someone get knifed. And that's why... Yeah. Um, Ladybird goes to the private Catholic school. But it makes a lot of sense that, like, if she's constantly, like, pushing back at her mom and feeling, like, controlled and that she just wants to be, like, um, just, she just wants to be able to be herself and putting her in some, in, like, a situation in Catholic school, which, in comparison to, like, public school, it's a more, like, restricted environment yeah. from what i i know and oh yeah you're right okay <laughs> i just don't want to be like yeah oh, yeah i mean the, the rules school. the skirt the skirt length the rules i mean most private schools are are in general yeah stricter, I'd say. yeah and i just feel like her not wanting to be in the religion or participate fully in the catholic school is just like another sort of point of rebellion with her mom and like how her mom even sending her to the catholic school creates an anxiety within her mom because obviously like a lot of affluent people go there and it kind of brings up that tension as well with ladybird right. being surrounded by affluent people and wanting to do not necessarily affluent things but just the whole um overarching theme that she's like ungrateful and that and how that like creates conflict with her mother. Yeah, for sure. That's a good sort of tie-in. I I didn't think about that the, the tie-in with the religion and also the economic themes in the movie because there are for sure a lot of big class themes. But I'm thinking now, like while we're sort of on this train of like religion as sort of a symbol for Lady Bird's journey as a whole, I'm thinking about the conversation she has with the guy at the party when she goes off to college at the end of the movie, she sort of like her icebreaker question to him is, do you believe in God? And he says, no, you know, that's stupid, blah, blah, blah. And she almost like scorns the idea that like, she almost sort of scorns atheism. She's like people, what did she say? She says like, you know, we call each other by names that our parents made up for us. And yet we think it's stupid to believe in God. Uh, which is, I'm trying to think of how does that fit in with her own, like, journey, you know? Because she goes from her being the one who sort of scoffs at religion to her making fun of other people who scoff at religion to finally coming back to religion herself. You know, it's just a that conversation stuck out to me uh, 
like as I was watching the movie, I was thinking like, oh, this is probably something that has some meaning behind it. And I don't, I don't, I'm not a hundred percent satisfied with where I, how I see that fitting into our idea. But yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think is the significance of that conversation? I got you, fam. So, (laughs) so does anyone remember what her real name is, by the way? Christine. Uh, Christine. Christine. Okay. Yeah. I thought that was interesting too, that she introduces herself as Christine in that scene. Lady Bird and Christine are two different characters, essentially. Lady Bird is the representation of all of Christine's built-up anxiety about going to a new place and sort of her turmoil in figuring out whether or not Sacramento is the place for her. It's the rebellion against the norms that she has been given and and that she's been dealing with her entire life. Like Casey said, you know, oh, I was born on the wrong side of the tracks. Like that sort of whole she's internalizing a lot of the struggle that she had because she was growing up poor in a very affluent place. And she's putting that into this character essentially of lady bird. So when Mm -hmm. she's saying to this guy, uh, well, it's pretty ridiculous that, you know, you think that because we just, you know, automatically will call ourselves by the names that other people give us. Like we don't even make that decision. She's effectively telling the lady bird character. I don't believe in you anymore. Like I've, I've gone past you. Uh, because now she's being consistent with her logic. She's saying, my name is Christine, and she's also come back to Catholicism, right? Ah, uh, so, so I check, see. Check mark on both sides. If she was saying, well, that's really dumb, and then still calling herself Ladybird, it would be inconsistent. So, right, right, because that would be, she would, I see, she would be, it's all, I got it, okay, I see, got, I'm trying to put it into words, but my brain's moving faster than my mouth can. Um, <laughs> I totally see what you're saying. And that's interesting because in in that conversation when she says that and, and then about the names and then the guy asks for her name, I expect her to be like, oh, well, I'm different. I made my own name. I'm Ladybird. But she does. We see that she's grown past the rebellious, you know, rebellious atheist teenage phase, right? And not not to sound like, you know, the sign of maturity is becoming religious. You know, that's not what I'm trying to say. But like, it's all symbolism, guys. It's just a symbol. Um, yeah, yeah. Her ladybird character is all of that teenage angst, and she's finally dropping it. And yeah, like you said, maturing into somebody that can be comfortable within societal norms, essentially, right? Because she was always saying, "Oh, it's so stupid how you know we don't even get to choose our own names," right? Like she was saying that earlier in the film, and now it's yeah. a complete role reversal. So. Yeah. yeah, it's just a line to sort of foreshadow the next 10 minutes or or however long yeah. uh, it takes to get to the end of the film. But That's really good, though. I think, yeah, good stuff, team. And I think also, like, I definitely want to talk about how I think the, the silent treatment from her mom and, like, kind of just spurred on this, like, maturity. Because I feel like up until the the point where it gets revealed that she was going behind um her mom's back like completely obviously like wrecked their relationship which i guess we could say i I don't even know if we could say it was getting better but in comparison from like the beginning of the film where i'd say it was getting better yeah where like (laughs) they could not like stand to be um, around each other to where they're starting to communicate more like ladybirds getting out of her or Christine is getting out of her like head and becoming more like self-aware instead of like self-conceited and stuff like that and shit and like seeing like oh well my dad's struggling I need to like 
not not necessarily help him there, but just more like real life um, reality things kind of keep smacking her in the face. And no matter, like, I feel like the mom is a very like complex character. Like she is kind of like the epitome of kind of like the the never-ending circle of emotional abuse. <laughs> right. <laughs> because it's like this very not necessarily a throwaway a, a throwaway line, but it was when Ladybird's coming back from her her date and her mom's getting on her case about her like folded clothes and mm-hmm. how oh yada yada how you look's going to affect everything else including like whether or not your dad can get hired and stuff like that. And Ladybird has like this great point of like, haven't you ever like want, like haven't you ever not folded your clothes perfectly? Haven't you ever like wished that your mom didn't get angry? And then the mom just kind of responds like, my mom was an abusive alcoholic and like yeah. closed the door and leaves. <laughs> that was, was like, big. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and so I feel like the, the full circle of, how of like the mom throughout the entire movie is kind of placed as the antagonist to the ladybird section of Christine's life. And I feel yeah. like when the mom no longer becomes that antagonist, at least like verbally in the consistency that we've seen over the movie beforehand, like I feel like that was kind of what spurred on the change in persona and even like going back to the church like for me it was like oh like obviously she might be going into the church to reconnect with um her religion but also like what was the major thing that her mom wanted her to do and to take care of is being able to go to that catholic school which is like oh maybe she went and then had like some sort of um, emotional shift to be like, all right, now's the time that I need. Like if I'm going to try to make up with my mom, now's the time to do it. And it's just a really interesting like turn of events, I think. Yeah, it's all it's all kind of connected. There's all these separate struggles that Ladybird's having, like her religious struggle and her struggle with her mom and her economic struggle. But they're all essentially telling the same story. Um, about maturing, and I, I mean, it's a coming-of-age story, so of course it's about maturing. Um, but I, I thought this was interesting. Um, her real name is Christine, uh, which, according to babynames.com, means follower of Christ, which is just another really, you know, I think interesting sort of add-on to the religious symbolism pile. Uh, seeing her go from, and, and Lady Bird, uh, Lady Bird Johnson, Claudia Alta Taylor, uh, was the wife of Lyndon B. Johnson. So she was the first lady, uh, which I just thought that was really interesting that she has lady, the, the Lady Bird persona. Um, maybe the fact that it was Lyndon B. Johnson's wife is significant. I'm not sure. I'd have to recall my Lyndon B. Johnson knowledge. But uh, I think it's interesting that she goes from this sort of political, very... Uh, not you know secular name and then in in the end of the film as she matures she sort of reclaims her birth name which quite literally means follower of christ as we also see her reconnect with her faith uh it's just there's so many layers on layers here that uh, that all kind of work together 
I think it's very, very impressive writing. Well, the whole Lady Bird Johnson thing, the reason why I think Christine chose the name Lady Bird is because Lady Bird Johnson was sort of the modern model of an active first lady. Because uh... before that time, I mean, I guess you had Eleanor Roosevelt, but Lady Bird Johnson was like, she was interacting with Congress. I think she was the first uh, first lady to interact with Congress uh, directly. She also had a highway beautification bill called Lady Bird's Bill or, or something like that. So mm. she was very, you know, sort of forward pushing the role of women inside of government and politics. As long so, as we're talking, if we're talking powerful first ladies, I know you're not disrespecting Abigail Adams right now, right? <laughs> Include Abigail Adams in there. Abigail Adams was cool, I guess. I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> hey, we needed an Abigail Adams recently. I was worried about the paintings on the Capitol when they were storming it. I was like, oh my oh, gosh, <laughs> where is Abigail Adams when you need her? She did this in 1814 for, or 1812 for the War of 1812 when the British came. Where oh, is she now? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Huh, I forgot about that. But, I hope the paintings weren't injured. But yeah, so I I'm pretty it. sure it was it was like trying to find herself as a powerful woman. And yeah. Lady Bird Johnson happened to be the role model for her. And we know that she's not a Republican at the very least. Because, I mean, she uses Republican. Oh, yeah, Republican. that line was so She funny. uses Republican <laughs> as an insult. And then she also sort of like scoffs at the fact that Danny's grandma has a unironic Reagan poster. Reagan poster. <laughs> So we know that Lady Bird is most definitely not a Republican. Maybe if she was, she would have made her like persona name be Melania or something. <laughs> Stop. Oh, or, wow. Uh, ooh, uh, what's it? Liberty Hangout. <laughs> her name would have been Gun Girl. Please, no. Liberty Hangout is so scary. You know what? I recommend that you watch those gun girl videos just to like learn to hate Caitlin Bennett because wow, they are oh, such man. a roller coaster to she, watch. Uh, the my favorite like Caitlin Bennett story is that it, it's just like apparently common knowledge from that during her college days she like, oh yeah that infam she, she infinite she infamously <laughs> uh, soiled her pants at a college party. Um, <laughs> and, and so there was this like clip of an interview and she's like, how, she's going up to this random college student as she does. And she's like, how do you feel about, uh, men being allowed in the women's restroom or whatever now? And he was like, how do you feel about the fact that you like crapped your pants at a college party? <laughs> and she's, she's like, why, why, why are you bringing that up? So <laughs> was, good. Oh, oh my gosh. I, oh, wow. like, I feel bad, but also like. She's coming onto college campuses just like randomly assailing these kids. It's like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, she I'm knows right. what she's doing. And she when people are self aware about it, then, yeah. you know. No, it's all antagonistic. Get what's, yeah. If exactly. Caitlin Bennett ever targets you, you know what to say. <laughs> you know what to say, doo doo pants. She's getting used to it. She's like saying, yeah, no, I did that. Like Tyrion <laughs> Lannister wearing it on her sleeve. So, see, ah, but this is how the joke gets ruined. As soon as the. As soon as the person who that the joke is about gets in on it, it starts to become not f that funny. Do you guys remember? I th I might have talked about this already, but do you remember that Gabby Hanna thing? Like the oh yeah, we talked what about this. Talking we... about the Ratatouille. Movie. <laughs> it's yeah. not as funny when they get in on it. But <laughs> but now that we can say we're at the point now where the Ratatouille musical happened, so we can yeah. talk about whether it was good or not.
Uh, do you I, know I whether it was it. good or not? <laughs> I didn't watch it either. I wasn't spending Apparently $5. It's on YouTube. It was all virtual, though. Like, it wasn't even a... I should have... I was expecting it for some reason to be, like, an actual play, but I should have... I mean, COVID. I should have known better. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> was it all, like, a Zoom call? Yeah, it was all, yeah. like, pre-recorded Oh, that's parts. bad. Who cares? And there was no costumes. Like, Remy was just, like, a dude in a gray shirt. It was... <laughs> First of all, don't disrespect Titus Burgess. Like uh, I'm just going to disrespect his costume designer. <laughs> it's just a gray... It's like, what's the most rat-like color? I bet they just sent out like a blast email and I I bet they just sent out a mass email and we're like, find whatever you have in your closets and monochromatic, (laughs) put something together. Uh, Oh my gosh. My sister watched it. And from what I hear, Titus Burgess was very non-convincing as Remy. Oh, Uh, I hate to hear it. The TikTok people, the ones that actually came up with the songs were the best ones. Oh, that makes sense. The rest of them, like, had no clue what was going on. I hope the guy who plays Bertram did well. <laughs> I hope he did, too. I Wait, hope he's okay. doing good. Did you guys notice that Allie from Austin and Allie was in this movie? Yes, she, she was. was. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Morano or, or, or Moreno, I forgot what her name is, but she cool. was the theater kid. With who, the bump it. Yeah, who talked about, like, somebody committing suicide when they were really old. Laura Morano was in Lady Bird? Yeah. Yeah. What? I she heard, was the one I didn't notice her. <sighs> Moving on. <laughs> but yeah. What is so... Laura Morano up to these days? Uh oh, she was in the movie with Moa C- Noah Cent- Cent- Centineo. Centineo. The perfect date? Yeah, that was her. <laughs> what? Yikes. Yeah. And she that, was in Superbad? She was in Super. Why did see this is this is the Disney trick because I really be thinking they're like twenty like something in the in like the TV shows, but I know she. Now Casey's glitching. Yeah. Okay. See Casey in Austin and Alley because what is this? You're gonna have to you're gonna have to try again on that one, Casey. You no. You, you spazzed out on us. Uh, all okay. What I was saying is that Disney has conditioned me to think people are younger than they are. When it's like watching Austin and Ally, like we always. Yeah, again, <sighs> Casey. I think we're just gonna have to move on. <laughs> in Austin and Ally, I'm like, okay, she's in her twenties or whatever, but she was probably in her twenties during like at super bad if she was like, I don't know, a child. Or something. No, no, she was definitely 20 in Austin and Alley because like Austin and Alley took place in 2015, right? Or or, or didn't take place in, in it started in 2011, Austin and Alley did. And Laura oh. Morano wait, Laura Morano was born in 95 and Superbad came out in 07. So she was Oh, she only, was like a child. She was 13 yeah. in Superbad? 13. <laughs> okay. Okay. So Never she's mind. actually pretty young. All that stuff goes out the window. Never mind. She's only oh my like gosh. I know. Ignore oh. everything that I just repeated. <laughs> Wait, you know, you you glitched out again the second time, so it's fine. Oh, great. We can just cut it all out. (laughs) Moving on. Hey, Laura Morano's from USC. Let's go. But that's not what I wanted to talk about. She is? She's smart. Yeah. No, it's crazy. But the... the, 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 Oh, Laura Morano reminded me about the best friend in this movie and another movie. Yes. She's from... Booksmart. Uh, Booksmart. I was like, so it has something in smart. <laughs> smart books. Oh, I haven't smart seen Booksmart books. Still. Well, the crazy thing is, these movies are 
very similar in how they're sort of about like two best friends growing up in high school. It's their senior year. They're trying to figure themselves out. This movie focuses a lot less on the best friend relationship and is very much more Ladybird story. But right. that actress who uh, apparently is the sister of Jonah Hill or the cousin of Jonah Hill or is in some way related to Jonah Hill. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Oh. Is it niece? It might be niece. I don't know. I got no clue. Jonah Hill and her are related somehow. But besides the point, in Booksmart, she plays a very similar character, you know, a teenager senior at a high school who is, you know, just trying to sort of figure her, her, herself out in the final year of her schooling. And it's a weird typecast, but she plays it so well. So go watch <laughs> Booksmart. It's phenomenal and a very different coming of age story that I think you will like. It touches a, a little bit more on some of the sexual themes that were present in this film. And sort of ups them in in book smart, but <laughs> I recommend it. I think it's really cool. You just made, reminded me uh, somehow of the fact that this is the first time uh, I've seen Timothy Chalamet play a jerk. I don't know, oh, doesn't he always though? I don't know. I feel like Timothy Chalamet is a jerk in real life. I don't know. <laughs> I probably <laughs> didn't he give him? Didn't he like? I I remember reading this story about how he like spread an std all across his college campus or something <laughs> wow tim tam i, I can't know. believe it i remember the the story that was rolling around with the the paparazzi taking not oh, suitable gosh. for work but yeah. like the, his girlfriend ended up being like kind of well not racist in the way where it's like blatantly racist but like racist <laughs> in the way of like i'm a model and i do like black and yellow face <laughs> Oh, oh, occupational racism. Yes, occupational <laughs> racism. There we go. Like systemic, personal, <laughs> occupational. All the subsects of yes. racism. But I don't know. I mean, I found Lori very likable in Little Women. You related to Lori. Yeah, I still found him <laughs> likable. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I feel like, I mean, he, he plays kind of protagonistic characters generally. I mean, he's going to play the big guy in Dune, which I'm looking forward to. But it was weird to see him play like a super cynical, just straight up unpleasant guy. Like his character. I don't believe in money. His character, I don't believe Kyle, in money. Is the worst. Kyle sucks. Well, he's the, he's the annoying kind of leftist, you know? Well, he's the <laughs> annoying leftist and then also sort of commits like a little bit of a, I don't know sexual faux pas when he's like yeah no i'm a virgin and then it turns out he's not like ah oh, that's crazy that's really and no yeah. one brings that up see people were so quick to jump on one on on diana prince not diana ross in <laughs> wonder woman 84 for taking advantage of that dude but i don't see no one getting mad at timothy chalamet's Chalamet. character this is the gender double standards guys why are we so quick to get on the women but not the men guys <laughs> We, it's time for Timothy Chalamet to take accountability for what his fictional character did. <laughs> we need some serious ownership here. Oh, my Oh, yeah, gosh. but that was super, like, <clears throat> when that sort of reveal happened, I was upset for Lady Bird. I was like, dang, oh, yeah. I already didn't like this guy, but th that is a really big jerk move. I'll be yeah. real. I forgot that he lied. I thought that he was being entirely truthful there because I did not remember the scene. I was like, he never said that, did he? I, uh, oh, see, no. I remember. 
See, oh, he gaslighted even... you. He gaslit me. <laughs> you fell for it. I, I did. <laughs> I mean, of the like three scenes they have together, oh, I mean, the two relevant scenes to this twist are, you know, are make those up. So I, yeah. I, I remembered for sure. And I was like, dang. But like Kyle, as soon as I re like, I was like, ooh, this boy's going to be trouble. And she was looking at him, hitting that, that base. And I was like, oh, no, I knew I've... that he was going to be an ass. And then his name was Kyle. Uh, that was the nail in the coffin. That for me. Was yeah. the nail in the I coffin. was happy to see bass player representation, though. When I saw Timothy, <laughs> that's true. But he I was knew, an ass. When I was innocent, before I knew what happened, and I saw Timothy Chalamet playing the bass, I was like, "Yes, bass player representation." And then after, like his plot was over, I was like, "Ah, uh, bass player representation." <laughs> uh, I is that not accurate? Uh bass no. As a bass player, no. <laughs> As a oh, bass okay. player, I'd like okay. to be excluded from this narrative. I am the model bass player minority <laughs> <laughs> of not a gaslighter. Um, Bro, that I was did, really upsetting, though. It was really yeah. upsetting. I, I, I did really like the shot, though, of her painting her room and she paints over the names. Oh, yeah. That was really mm -hmm. satisfying to me. And also, going back to our whole coming-of-age thing, interesting to see her, like, paint over her, I guess, lady birdish, childlike pink room with all this writing on the walls to a more mature, neutral white. You know, let's just throw some color theory on it while we're while we're at it, right? I thought that was good. All right. Yeah. Fine. If we're doing theories, seven no, I'm kidding. <laughs> seven. Which one represents <laughs> lust? All of them. Every single oh, one. Those. Well, have you ever been to a like even remotely heard of a Catholic school, James? That's what happens at them. I know, I'm sure. I Very someone... bad at breeding obedience there, <laughs> weirdly <laughs> enough. I saw someone once say that the best way to ensure that your kids aren't good Catholics is to send them to Catholic school. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's hilarious. <laughs> Yikes. I Sorry mean, to anyone who went to Catholic school and considers themselves a good Catholic. I'm sure you're great. No, just sorry if you went to Catholic school. I apologize for the experience. I, I'm sure. I'm sure it was Damn. difficult. Yeah. Look, those schools. I I don't think I've ever told this this story on air, but it's really funny. Uh, I went on a tour of Damien, which is the all boys Catholic school. Now right. I am not Catholic. <sighs> I am not even really religious. I'm agnostic, so I'm like the chill one. I'm just like whatever, man. Yeah, but these agnostics, man, they 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 uh, don't pick a side and let it let it get hey, to their man. heads. This agnostic bisexual logic is yeah. Casey's a bisexual. I'm an agnostic, and you're a centrist. We all have you're our own. <laughs> We're our own indecisive. We're all indecisive. We're yeah, all indecisive. I, I don't want to hear it. But basically, I go to this school, and the guys taking us around are are super nice. But then. We come across this group of boys who are just chilling, and our tour guide's like, oh, these are my bros. And I'm like, oh, okay, these are his bros. And then one of them, without even introducing himself, goes, hi there, guys, in a perfect Mickey voice. And, and says, oh, you want to watch porn? And I'm like, whoa, 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 let's, let's slow down there, Mickey. What are you saying? But this Mickey guy was a perfect representation of the Catholic experience because that's what happens. And that's what happens in Lady Bird as well when they're eating all of the, the wafers. Right, and they're talking oh, about that. Made me mad. That made me really upset. That I was, was like, so like, funny. And they're I'm talking sorry. about all the different ways that they're, you know, yeah, yeah, doing all the right, thing. Listen, this is a family podcast. This is an R-rated movie. I would like to say uh, we didn't put a disclaimer at the start, though. It's too late now. 
disclaimer. Charlie's Listen, already. hold on. I'm just like, okay, make fun of me all you want, but I am just gonna say this. If if instead of them eating unconsecrated wafers, that was like, you know, them making fun of any other religion, this movie would have been canceled instantly. I'm just saying. I just want to point it out, right? If <laughs> no fair. Like I if that it. if that scene was instead of them eating, you know, unconsecrated communion wafers, if this was like an all Muslim school or something, and it was like the, I don't know, do them doing something that's offensive to Muslim people. I don't know, something with pork. But like, it would have been canceled, right? <laughs> different. <laughs> you know how, dude? They're different. No, communion, <laughs> communion is the most sacred thing in Catholicism. That's literally what it's all about. Like, feels a little weird that they manufacture them, though. Like, I mean, how do you? How I else would, do you? How make else? <laughs> Well, I was thinking Charlie's about that. Like, I was like, it. I wish they just apparated. That would be better. They've made the body of God inside of a machine in some factory in Illinois. It just feels a bit strange to me. I don't know. Yeah, we can. I, you know, I'm not going to get on you for that. I, as a, as an anarcho primitivist, I'm happy to talk about <laughs> the corruptions of technology. Man, I just thought it was funny. They're just munching on No, it like was funny. It. it was funny. Like, it was for sure funny. And then Doris being like, you can't eat those. They don't They're taste not... very good. They're just flour and water. I, I, I want to try one. Uh, become a Catholic. <laughs> uh, do you have any in your or kitchen that I can just munch on? Or fellowship. fellowship. Well, because I know True. specifically Catholic wafers, there's a lot of like, you know, requirements. It has to be unleavened flour and water, and that's it. Uh, Bro, we at, at these. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> at these, hey, these non-denominationals, man, these they know how to get down. They just be like, hey, they they grew gluten-free though. Bro, we they got whole free. wheat, we got sourdough. We got you... <laughs> oh no. my gosh! Wait, can okay. you make like like non-trademarked Catholic wafers at your own house? Then, if you just like follow the recipe, if you had unleavened yeah, just flour and dried water, sure. out crackers. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Not even cla crackers have more seasoning. Like the these are just <laughs> flour and water. Mm hmm. They're just these little, like, there's this a little circle wafer, and you just crunch, crunch, swallow. It's, can I smear things on them? Are, 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 <laughs> like, are, 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 like, can I put yeah, some well, locks on it? Yeah, can I do, like, locks, locks you know, peanut butter? Charlie, I don't make fun of your religion, all right? Yeah, you can't. I just, I I just ask for a little courtesy here. <laughs> <sighs> James, you just, literally just made fun of it. What are dying. you talking about? If I, was Muslim, you if I was Jewish, you wouldn't be making these kind of jokes. You said these agnostics, they can't decide anything. Yeah, you don't have a side <laughs> to touch the communion wafer. I'm making How fun of your lack you? of sides. <laughs> that is my side, though, is a neutral position. I, I, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. This is the best I'm episode we've ever dying. recorded. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to go on a field trip to Mass next week. Get ready. <laughs> this is Socratic Cinema reporting live from Mass. From Mass. James, here James, we see do the symbol. How do I do the symbol? I... Father. Is... How do you do the Top, symbol? Bottom, left, is it one right. knee? Is it two? Is it one? It's whatever you want. James, is this wine? I don't like drinking. Good thing. Please. All right, you know, we'll You're have the theology lessons. We'll have the theology lessons later. <laughs> Okay, but for real though, oh. do you think that at Catholic oh. schools it's grape juice or is it wine? Wine. It it wouldn't. It has to be wine. It has to be wine. Yeah, it's wine. Can sure. it be a white wine or does it have to be a dry red? It has to be. It's the blood yeah, like, of Jesus Christ. As, as Casey answered from the ghost universe, it, it has to be red wine. <laughs> no. Okay. 
can I die white wine? I'm just trying to find all of the all, all of the right. loopholes that I can okay. go around here. Just keep it going, guys. <laughs> James we're is 52, losing. We're it. at 52 minutes. We can be done whenever you want. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow, you just pulled out your teacher voice. You said we can Please. be here all day if you want. I, I, we can do this all day. Mm -hmm. I get paid by the hour, so. <laughs> <laughs> My brain oh, was wow. racing to make a joke about how mass is traditionally an hour and I just couldn't come up with anything funny in time. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Do any of you guys have anything helpful to say <laughs> about our conversation before I wrap it up? Uh, I'm sorry to Catholic school kids. Unless you had a good time, then I'm glad that you did. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry to Catholic school kids, too. As a Catholic, I'm kind of glad I didn't go to Catholic school. <laughs> I know, wearing your skirts the right length sounds tough. I don't know. Dress codes, lol. Uh, uh, who needs them? That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. But yeah, no, I have nothing else to add. Uh, I'm sorry for being sacrilegious, James. I'll go atone for my sins at, at the booth that you guys have outside the church. Uh, the confession <laughs> one. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I apologize. <laughs> It's, it's not outside. <laughs> Casey knows more than you, Charlie. I, I've never been to a Catholic mass. If you cannot, that's, that's, you know, I'm actually fair enough. I, you know, I'm not going to hold you. Casey now. actively goes to church. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm just thinking of like it's like a kiosk. But it's yeah, like a, a little booth outside. Uh, Get wow. one free, one free uh, confession. Uh, they're all free. Five. Imagine they're if you all free. I almost said, imagine if you had to pay money for confession, and then I realized that's what indulgences were. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Bro, them oh, Sorry, I can't say that. It's, uh. like, it's like, I can make fun of my own religion. You can't make fun of my religion. Though, <laughs> there's a line. Fair. That's fair. You can't hate <sighs> from outside the club. You couldn't even get in. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you all, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, for listening to this episode of the Socratic Sonoma <laughs> podcast. Today, we've been talking about Greta Gerwig's Ladybird rather loosely, I will say. We, we, we hit a wide girth of topics today. Um, but thank you again for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed the episode and you're on YouTube, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe and, and uh, hit that notification bell so you never miss another episode of the Socratic Sonoma podcast. Um, if you're on apple podcasts write us a review and if we deem it worthy and by worthy i mean safe for work we'll read it on air uh and just uh like it up you know drop a comment saying what you think about greta gerwig's ladybird uh and share your catholic school experience or school charlie with some theological knowledge in the comments um why was that barbed at me I don't know. Because <laughs> I'm my... respectful. Yes, because Casey is respectful, Charlie. That's why. <laughs> I was curious. I was asking you about your You know religion. what? There's a reason I didn't invite you guys to my confirmation party. <laughs> no. Oh, I, I didn't get to... oh. I would have said Mazel Tov, James. Oh, we would have stopped. Jesus, end the podcast. <laughs> All right. Yeah, thanks again for listening, guys. Uh, we've been Socratic Cinema. Deus Volt. Adios. <laughs> what? <laughs> Oh, follow us on Patreon. Oh, yeah. No. Adios. Adios. Adios.